Blog Talk Radio. Of movement of 
in particular cancer treatment, going into art therapy, in that case following the Simontons, I believe the names were Carl and Stephanie Simonton, who had done a tremendous amount of real groundbreaking and effective work using art therapy, drawing, visualizing uh, with their patients and helping them actually overcome the illness known as cancer. Yep, folks, something that serious dealt with with that amount of fun. Yep, the fun that comes from having a crayon in your hand or a Crayola or any kind of chalk or pen or paintbrush for that matter and drawing the body and drawing what one feels may be the appearance of the cancer. And following that can do what one would like to accomplish relative to that cancer. And usually there would be images of the cancer cells being eaten away or overcome or overwhelmed or neutralized in one way or another. And uh, Lord B, yep, many cancers. And it's documented. This is not just an opinion. All of what happened with them have been documented. And Dr. Bernie Siegel has been continuing uh, with that same thing ever since. And uh, this is going back now many, many years. So he has continued the work after some 30 to 40 years being human with his patients, stepping outside of the usual medical model of being official and humanizing the relationship, um, a whole different kind of bedside manner. That's what matters. And uh, he has become known internationally as the doctor who took healing and humanizing seriously and unfortunately caught the scorn of many of his colleagues because they didn't quite know how to do it. And uh, this is what happens with leaders, and this is oftentimes what happens with pioneers. So... He had the good sense and the wisdom not to take too much of the criticism personally, and he kept forging ahead with his new model for healing within the established medical model and uh, have great results to show for it. And along the same line, uh, similar line, you could say, the breakthroughs in neuroscience that is just dazzling us all these days, uh, some of which showed up in the work of neuropsychologist Dr. Rick Hansen, who was my guest uh, last week, and we were talking about how we can actually extinguish those habits of mind and habits of action, of behavior, that we do not care for, that do not show us off to our best and our highest expression of self and how we can then affirmatively and proactively forge 
synaptic relationships, dendritic relationships, neuronal relationships, yep, right in our own brain, and really spell out a new kind of future for us with new habits, with new attitudes, with new behaviors. I mean, is that cool? Is that being in the driver's seat of one's life or what? You know it is. It's taking what you consider to be the hardwiring and being the author yourself. That's right. Taking the authority to design your brain. I mean, pretty soon we might call them designer brains. You know? um, there's a really interesting book that's been out for many years, Your Brain on Music. And uh, I've just always loved that title because it shows the effect that the world has on our hardware and how it melds into software. And because of the study and development in this field of epigenetics, we have come to understand that our behavior, our attitudes, our glitch. As I said, I'm not at my usual office in New York City, so using a cell phone to call into the engineering uh, program here is not the same, and it's not the way I like to do things, but that is what happens, so thanks for bearing with me. That's great. At this moment, actually, I would love to uh, invite you all again to call in and discuss the subject that I laid out as the subject for today, which is the creating of a better world. What's up? Who's doing it? And how can we? What to do? Action items. Attitude items. Let's go for it. 602-753-1860. Again, 602-753-1860. You bet. You know, <clears throat> uh, for those of you, by the way, who are new to A Better World, please know that we have got a newsletter that goes out every single week. It's for free. It can be accessed on our site, www.abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv. And we uh, also have a weekly television show in New York City, in general, specifically in Manhattan, every Tuesday night at 10.30. And our newsletter describes who will be our guests in the respective media and uh, ways of accessing whether you're in Manhattan on the t for TV or not. doesn't matter. It's simulcast, webcast, at the same, very same time. And you can simply go to our website, 
betterworld.tv and tune in to the TV show at your uh, convenience, as long as your convenience is at 10.30 p.m. Tuesday Eastern Standard Time. So uh, then we actually have those shows after we air them publicly for free. We make them available on our website through our Amazon store. So just click on store and voila, you will see not all but many of our shows there. And in fact, we are looking for an editor. So if anyone is interested, please get in touch with us through our um, Facebook page, uh, Mitchell J. Raven, or at Facebook, A Better World Media, or direct to A Better World Info at yahoo.com. A Better World Info at yahoo.com and just put into the subject video editor. Okay, that would be great. So, coming back around to the subject at hand, which indeed has to do with what does it mean to create a better world? Why do we want to do that? Well, if that isn't obvious by now, where do we start? But let's start with recognizing that the society that we have created is uh, truly for uh, the advantage of a very, very few people and to the disadvantage of the vast majority of what the Occupy movement referred to as about 99%. And even if they were wrong by three or four or five or even ten points, it's not legit. It's not a good arrangement. And the ways in which the world, uh, the society is um, a disadvantage to the other 90%, what have you, um, is rather significant. It's not lightweight. It's not just a question of, um, you know, are we going to drive, um, you know, a Cadillac or a 1907 Ford. It's not like that. It's, there are many, many aspects uh, that show up that describes the distinction and uh, I really don't think that that's the um, most important piece to touch upon because, well, let me, let me kind of sum that piece up uh, by simply saying that last night I was watching a film called The Thin Red Line. It's an older film. Have any of you seen it? Well, it's a film about war, World War II in particular, and in the South Pacific Islands where the Americans were trying to overcome the Japanese, militarily overcome. Oh, my God. Well, it was ugly. And uh, one of the raw parts of the film was showing the insanity of war. And the way that it showed that insanity was the characters in the film were very real, living, breathing human beings with all of our frailties and all of our vulnerabilities and all of our susceptibilities. And there was nothing that was uh, veneered about it. So the fear, the anxiety were uh, absolutely written on the faces of each 
of the soldiers, including the sergeant, including the captain, free from this. So you really saw what it was like for these really young kids, these teenagers, these young boys, essentially, and the others in their 20s with a gun, with a helmet, dressed in these, you know, pretty ugly uniforms, <laughs> running through mud and and uh, fields and the like, acting as though they know what the hell they're doing, and they clearly do not. And they're very scared, and they don't want to fight, and they don't want to be there. And they're thinking about their girlfriends at home. They're thinking about their wives. They're thinking about their children. They're thinking about their parents. The last place they want to be is there. It's hell. Make no mistake about it. It is hell. So we have replicated that hell over and over again in our uh, history and in our lives. I mean, you can't quite believe that this is something we do not absolutely give up. It's war, it's war, it's war. Every year, something else. Uh, they say that uh, human beings on the planet at any given time are engaged in approximately 70 wars. You say, well, where are they? I don't see them on the news. Can't be true. It's true. Go to the real professionals who are tracking these things and you will see the media has no interest in telling you and me the truth about who is at war with whom where because they're oftentimes military contractors themselves at least in a few examples of major television media and the last thing they want to do is bring too much attention to their bankroll and to their cash cow so it's not pretty, folks. It's actually abysmal. It's dismal. And it's radical. It's radical. We're not the radicals. We are calling for law and order, frankly. Isn't that interesting? For stability and for an economy that doesn't gear itself wholly toward war against us. This is not a world that we would want to generate or leave to our children. Let's be honest. And to say that life is hell is not a good answer because we also know the counterpoint. We also know that life is beautiful. We know it can be heavenly. We know that it's paradisal. We know that when we are out in nature or we're on the beach or we fall in love, <clears throat> or we are in the zone doing things we so love to do, when we are with family and all is harmonious, all of these are those tender moments when our hearts open and awaken, get in touch with the depth, a core of life itself that we wouldn't exchange for anything. And just imagine for a moment that it would be that it's that space 
that we have the opportunity to cultivate more of, to dwell inside of, to abide in day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute. Can you imagine that high, blissful state of love, of connectedness, of a sense of harmony, the way we feel when we're playing great music, hearing great music, dancing to great music? You know, that exhilaration that charges through your body, that electricity, that charge. Isn't that what life should be engendering, invoking, day after day? Is there anything wrong with that? Who's to say it can't be that way? And why isn't it that way? These are good questions. These are good questions. There are many other levels of ontology through which we could look at the subject and the object of our lives. We could look at who it is that we refer to as I in the first place or the second place. Who is the me, the object of the sentence? We could deconstruct our language so that we can come to a deeper understanding of this notion of I, um, the sentiment of ego, and see how that fits into the larger universal scheme of things. Are they necessary? Are they not? We can ask ourselves some pretty interesting questions of what is the relationship of I to we, I-ness to we-ness, us-ness, <laughs> you plural. Um, but no, really, the sense of all universal self with a big F. What is that? Is that worthy of our contemplation? Even in a world where there's you and I, you and me, I and thou, even in a world constructed through language that way, and therefore we think of ourselves as a distinct entity, and indeed there are very many ways in which we truly are distinct there are other ways in which we are bound together that we do not usually think about or talk about. <clears throat> Exciting as they may be. You know, in the animal kingdom, uh, animals uh, of the same species are looking out for one another. They actually survive not through survival of the fittest, which we were conditioned to believe through either I personally believe, erroneous thinking on the part of Darwin and others, but uh, through cooperation, through nurturance, through caring. Yes, animals care. They have a heart. Many are mammalian. mammalian. They care. They love. They grieve. They mourn. They laugh. They play, just like we do fascinating, isn't it? And today we are finding trans-species nurturance and caring. Like, maybe it's been going on forever, but we're catching photographs, video of some awesome, awesome trans-species caring and compassion where, you know, dogs are taking care of cats, elephants are taking care of leopards, you know, I mean, just the most unlikely pairings are occurring in nature routinely, not the exception anymore. It's happened with such uh, 
proliferation, that it's a phenomenon that is not simply uh, some kind of anomaly. Uh, it may appear at first, but the more you think of it and the more you see of it, you go, my God, this is what goes on in the animal world. How come we can't, we humans in our own species don't take care of each other a fraction of as well as <clears throat> animals of different species take care of them, each other, you know? Interesting. Here, let me uh, lay out the phone number one more time for the moment. 602-753-1860. This is Mitchell Rabin of A Better World. I am on every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. We speak about things that are just trying to make a difference in this world, to have a positive impact, to advance the world, to forward the action, to progress it in ways that allow for rational and free thinking, open feeling, self-expression, to inquire into subjects that maybe other shows, other people, aren't so interested in inquiring into or willing to. So we will look at all manner of issues having to do with health and wellness and nutrition and healing and the environment and uncovering the mysteries of our beautiful earth, of contemplating Gaia as a living being, of how we can be stewards and uh, based on the book that I am working diligently at completing, sacred stewards to our beautiful earth and to sentient life itself, to which I believe we are here in service. And this show is, and our TV show is, and our newsletter is, and the articles I would write and have written for the Huffington Post are, and naturalnews.com are, and on it goes, folks. And I really invite you to play with us. It's really a fun game of all games to play. It's the game of participation in the creation of a better world, the establishment of values that can really navigate us toward a different kind of future that we can leave to our our children, to our progeny. Um, and, uh, you know, the more we think about the world as it exists today, where we do have this huge disparity economically and politically and socially and uh, the ruins of an environment, it's utterly, completely embarrassing if you really think of the amazing gift that we have been given and what we have done to that gift. Can you imagine being given a house? I mean, a beautiful house. Make it a mansion. And then rather than cleaning up each room as you go from one to the next, you just kind of trash it, and when you're finished with it, you move on to the next? Would you really do that? A? Give me a call at 602-753-1860 and discuss that. And let's also take a look at why do people do things like this? I mean, is there a reason that I'm not grokking Hey, you know, I really want to know what you think. I'd really love to know your thoughts, your feelings, your suggestions about these kinds of matters and what you think perhaps the causes are underneath all of this. 
and actually more than anything, what we can do about it individually and collectively. You know, we can point our fingers, we can make people wrong, we can do all sorts of things, but it really doesn't get us far at all. It doesn't really advance the conversation. But what does is being accountable for what it is we see. And if we see a world becoming stressed, if we see a world becoming in ruins, if we see that our water sources are drying up or getting contaminated, if we see that um, the pharmaceutical industry continues to ply innocent people with drugs do not need them because the insurance covers them and it gives them an enormous bankroll. If we see the same thing in the chemical industry, if we see the same thing in agribusiness, if we see the same thing in biotech and genetically modified organisms, if we see the same thing in the military-industrial complex, if we see the same thing in the media-industrial complex, it makes you stop to wonder behind all of this. Who is it behind the curtain, Oz? Who is it, please? Show yourself. Well, you know, there are people behind the curtain. We know this, and it's not a mystery. It's been a mystery to some in the past, but it's no longer a mystery. They've been called out, and a lot of these uh, infiltrators um, the banking industry, the insurance industry, and all the others that I just made. I really doubt that this is coming as a surprise to anybody who listens to this show. Tell me, is it a surprise? Of course it's not. And what's interesting these days, everyone, is that your rank-and-file citizen people who have not really given this much thought in the past are beginning to see the truth of the matter, that something has gone horribly wrong, that we've been betrayed. Really, we've been betrayed by our, our uh, government. We've been betrayed by big business, American, U.S. business. We've been betrayed. We've been sold down the river that nobody really seems to care much about us people. Now, you know, I'm not going to get bent out of shape about that, but I am going to blow the whistle on it and say, this is not what was set up to be. This is not what the founding fathers had in mind. And I, you know, I'm not one of those who say they were high and holy. I think they made a huge number of mistakes that showed up in our Constitution, and it's really very dispiriting in many ways, but there are other aspects of it that are very spiriting and very uh, upholding of appropriate values, um, high-minded, big-hearted, humane values. And where those are missing, it truly is up to us to uh, come up with amendments to amend, which is part of the whole constitutional process, and it should be way more active than it is. So there are ways for us to get through all of this, my friends. There are ways. We just have to remain cognizant and moving forward and to dialogue about what it is we see and where it is we want to go. 
So in that light, again, I do want to invite you to call in. It is a call-in show tonight at 602-753-1860. I know you're out there and you're listening, and that I'm very pleased by. And uh, just know, truly, I would uh, welcome anyone who would want to uh, just talk with me about the subjects that I'm putting on the table and what you think about it. I know what I think, and some of you who listen with some regularity, some of you know some of what I think. And uh, I'm just not the only thinker around here. I really want to um, honor anyone else in our audience here uh, for whom I am grateful every week for uh, tuning in and taking your time to do so. Your views be voiced and aired. So it's that easy. Uh, Again, 602-753-1860. This is Mitchell J. Raven for A Better World. We are at uh, the midway point, a little after that, actually, on our show this evening. Um, Our website is www.abetterworld.tv. abetterworld.tv. Sign up there for for the uh, newsletter and join the A Better World family. It's such a pleasure to have you part of us. So let me circle back to something, uh, putting on my uh, therapist's hat for a moment and uh, to say that I uh, have a deep sense that a lot of our issues that show up in our body politic, in our body economy, in our social lives, in essentially the um, the uh, energy flow of our society stems from, originates in our relationship with our loved, our beloved. Parents did the best they could to bring us up and they learned love from their parents. And back it stretches and reaches through time, millennia. And so if we could say that the male-female archetypes are the true foundation of our society and the way that relationship works is what then becomes the basis of the education of the progeny and it becomes the basis of their own sense of meaning, fulfillment, joy, pleasure, fun, amusement, and happiness. And if two people in a relationship, let us land on the male and the female, uh, are unhappy, that sense of unhappiness gets expressed through any number of different channels in their lives. And sometimes, pretty if they're in a position of some level of power, like political power, like economic power in the society, my God, they could wreak havoc on others. They can create uh, any number of different policies that would uh, 
you know, that would adversely affect the many. Well, we don't want that. We want policies that are going to positively affect the many. So, you know, uh, how do we create that world? How do we create and support that kind of relationship where men and women are getting along, men and women, men and women, get along. I was not suggesting polygamy with that line, folks. No, I was not. Uh, but let's just say, to the extent that a man knows how to listen to a woman and, and do what he can within some boundary to bring her pleasure and happiness and a sense of fulfillment and make sure, bottom line, that she feels loved and cared for and acknowledged and respected as well she deserves as a woman. And she, in turn, does same for him. So we have a queen and a king in the top of their domain of which they have dominion. Wow. Cool. Now, you have harmony in the realm. And if you have harmony in the realm, there's a sense of self-expression. There's a sense of joy. There's a sense of creativity. Dynamic tensions are always present. You don't have to go reaching for them. Just the fact that we are um, instinctively impelled to feed our digestive system daily, to feed our nervous system and sensory system with impressions, to walk on the earth, to swim, to, sh to bathe, to receive sunlight, get vitamin D, and then to close it all out at night where it's pitch black and melatonin gets released from our pituitary, which allows for a blissful rest that is infused with intelligence through the dream world. Are you getting how beautiful life really can be when humans walking on it can be harmonious with each other and with sentient life around them, that they live in cooperation. And once they start to argue and conflict and not work out those conflicts, conflicts will arise. God knows conflicts will arise. The issue isn't that they arise. It just seems part of the, um, the domain of body, mind, and speech body, mind, and spirit on the planet in form. There will be conflicts, there will be tensions, there will be hardships, there will be challenges. It's just part of the domain. That isn't the problem. The problem is how well can we overcome them? How well can we harmonize? How well can we meet and greet, you know? That's the issue, folks. That's really it. Uh, so it's not that we fall off our horse. Oh, God. We all have knees with scrapes. That's not it. But how willing are we to get back on that horse and run into the sunrise and sunset? That is what distinguishes a man and a woman from the rest. To the extent that we can persevere 
through obstacles over time, that's someone who is building character. And all the ancient wisdom books say this, whether we're referring to the Jing or the Upanishads or the Old and New Testaments, we will see that character is based on overcoming obstacles, doing so with integrity and tact. What a phrase. Not bad. Time to invite y'all to join me on the air at 602-753-1860. Now, what I'm saying is truly the basis of creating a better world. It It just goes with the territory. So, if you want to think about how to do it, it's these are when we get our own inner act together, which I refer to generally as our inner ecology, our inner house in order, and our outer house can be in order. This is not rocket science. <laughs> this is easy. And it's not easy to deal with all the time. Don't get me wrong. But if we do enough self-inquiry, enough self-introspection to get a sense about the nature of our reactivity and we can revisit ourselves with a lot of humor. Oh, some of us need beaucoup de humeur. I mean, really, <laughs> lay it on. And others, a little less so, but self-irony always helps. And there is no one I know who couldn't benefit from an extra few doses of it, okay? Laughing at yourself, giggling at yourself, smirking and saying, oh, my God, there we go again. This is common, and it's an incredible remedy. It's really a healing. So to love oneself, to come to a bit of an aerial view of oneself gives one leverage in one's life for one to be able to to then listen, to then tune in to another person, especially in the basic relationship, and we'll refer to as the basic relationship as the male-female relationship, but realize that then extends out to our relationship to our parents. It It relates to our relationship with our siblings. It relates to our relationship with our children our relatives, our cousins, our neighbors, our friends. It keeps going because this is really one species and we're all completely connected and we have proof of this, folks. This is not some kind of airy, fairy, poetic notion in itself, although it is poetic. It is true. It is proven. We know on any number of levels, chemically and empirically, we're connected. Do I really have to go into that? I don't think so. I think we know that we are truly universal in our nature. After all, our bones themselves come from stardust. How do I know? Ask your local astronomer. Everybody knows it. So, um, this is how interconnected we are with our universe, which is a completely awesome, fascinating place. But if we're spending our time warring on each other, if we're spending our time trying to beat out others in business, if we're trying to put others down while we raise ourselves up, if this is the kind of life we lead, time to do good 
for our brothers and our sisters? Where's the time to be truly charitable and philanthropic and compassionate with others? Our time is being eaten up by destroying others. That's not fun. If you use fun as the guideline, God Almighty, what kind of world? And it's not fun just for self. I mean, who wants to have fun by oneself all the time? You know, I don't think I have to say it. We have fun with each other. We have fun in groups. We have fun in family. We can have fun at work. Business, which has brought us to the brink of disaster environmentally and in so many ways socially, politically, and sociologically, uh, is also the driver that I personally believe can be what turns us back from the brink, yanks us back, and where we can say, my God, how could I have been so inhumane? Since when did money become that important that I would jeopardize the life of my fellow human beings, my brothers and my sisters, just for money? Oh, please. Now, when one sensitizes one's nervous system, one can feel how horrific it is to allow oneself to be responsible for the death of anything, although that is part of life, so don't get me wrong, it's not that, it's just there's a wisdom and a discernment that needs to be brought to the table to live a best life, which is, is characterized by fun and play and music and laughter and smiling and dancing, I, I mean, the things that bring us joy, filmmaking running, sporting, you know, I mean, we all know, strolling with your lover, strolling with a friend, it's all good, whatever the name, whatever the identity, you just enter the space, and how about entering a space of source itself, this notion we have that we carry around inside ourselves from birth of God, whatever that may be to us, we know there's this powerful human, high-level intelligence. So why hasn't it gotten to my brain, you could ask? <laughs> How come it hasn't penetrated my mind and heart? Those are good questions. And indeed, we do need to think about that. How can we bring the highest level of, of energy, of intelligence, of chi, of prana, of ki, of ruach, as we have in Hebrew, this holy breath, thine breath, into our breasts and let us be inspired. So, these are the kinds of thoughts I want to share with you all today here at A Better World. You know, I like to say, I love rocket science, don't get me wrong, but to do rebuild the world, allow this to dissolve several more steps, and let's get a fresh slate and start over because we need it, because our environment is going just downhill. Climate change is changing the lives of countless hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Today, there are climate refugees in different parts of the world. Some areas are getting too hot. Some places are getting too dry. Um, 
weather patterns and storm patterns are taking us all by surprise. Even our good weather people cannot predict what is really next. We're in trouble, my friends. We are in trouble. And many of us saw it coming, and it has come. And it is time. It is over time. It is past due. If these were library books, we would owe a bloody fortune to read these books, to read what's really happening in the land and reverse it. Come back to ourselves. Come back to a sense of our connectedness to life, to all things, to remember that we want to be responsible and accountable for the way the future will be for ourselves and for the future generations. Do we not have that responsibility, Gation, that sacred agreement? I believe we have. So just flitting our lives away with more texting and more Facebooking and all of that is just, oh, it breaks the heart. It breaks the heart. And at the same time, those things aren't bad. No. Use them well. Don't let them use you. Cultivate a life. Be involved. Be active. Participate. Werner Erhardt, the founder of EST and later the Forum, said, health is a function of participation. You know, I've always loved that phrase. Health is a, is a function of participation. Of course it matters what we eat. Of course it matters what we drink. It matters what our exercise habits are and our sleep habits are and the way we manage our stress. Yes, yes, and yes. And our participation in life, participation in our family, with our friends, civically, all of these are real in bringing us out, in bringing us forth into the world that we really want to create. So I'm going to uh, circle around to closure here with you all. I am uh, grateful for your time and attention. I did invite you all to call in, but, you know, I am aware that we have most of our listeners listening on their time, meaning in... Um, in archive. And that's one of the wonderful things today of our type of media. And uh, people can do it when they are darn well ready. But there's an interaction that can take place live that is precious, that uh, is unexchangeable, actually. Um, and so I really do invite you to play with me on the air, and I also know that people are a little nervous, they get a little scared, or I've been told by others they just want to hear me speak, but I love to speak with you, actively with you. So on that note, I want to uh, thank you uh, all for participating in the ways that you do. I also want to give a shout-out to my dear friend, David Katzmeyer, longtime friend and uh, webmaster of A Better World. Um, and he is getting married to his lovely woman, 
Tasty this coming Saturday afternoon, and voila, I have been designated the um, sane driver as well as the best man. So, Dave, I wish you and Tasty the best of luck and a big muzzle toss. At the same time, uh, so I will be up back north for that special sacred event. My own flesh and blood, Alexandra Katz, also got married recently, and since I've gone this far, I want to say, Alexandra, Mazatov to you and Yoel for a happy, wonderful life together of great harmony and merriment. And uh, I know you, Alexandra, feel the sacred obligation to, sh- to contribute to our family and to uh, society at large, and I think it's very beautiful. And that very much is the Jewish imprint, but it's not Jewish alone at all. I, I believe it's a human imprint, and it's certainly uh, called out in all real teachings, East and West, religions, spiritual teachings, sacred traditions, uh, mythologies even. And um, so I just want to acknowledge you both and that. So, my dear friends, it seems like it's just about time for Mozart. Is it not? Is it not? Yes, we're as close as ever. And um, again, this is Mitchell J. Maven for A Better World. Please let your friends know about our show. We have people from all walks of life, from healers to scientists to nutritionists to progressive politicians to economists to spiritual teachers to neuroscientists. How do you say you need to tap from this wealth, this treasure trove, if you're going to create a better world? It comes with the territory. So on that note, I uh, so appreciate your being part of this media, of this communication. Grab the link, forward it to friends on, yep, Facebook, and tweet it and tweet it and tumble it and all the things that people do. Also, let me draw your attention to through our website. You can go and read my articles at Huffington Post and Natural News, and I love when people comment, and I love when you send me feedback. Tell me about the kinds of shows you want. Tell me about what got stimulated inside you through listening. The email address is mjr at abetterworld.net. MJR, my initials, at abetterworld.net. As mentioned before, I am looking for a video editor in the New York area as close to the 1009 uh, zip code as possible. For that, put that into the subject line and send that to a better world info at yahoo.com. A better world info at yahoo.com. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.